Dante Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong, and today we have a very special guest. He is the voice of college sports at Fox Sports. He is, to me, the voice of sports in general this century. He is a Detroit native, and he is Gus Johnson. Mr. Johnson, thank you for joining Pushing Through. Hey, Tate, man. BJ, what's going on? Thank you. Oh, man. Gus, man, appreciate (laughs) you, man. It's always good to see my man. Hey, oh, man, this is my here. guy. We grew up together. We grew up in the same city. I always like to say Gus was calling my games. Hey, when I was in high school, Gus was calling my games. Gus was always at St. Cecilia. Gus was in Detroit. Yeah. Hey, man, it's great, man. I'm so happy for you. So proud of what you what you accomplished, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And every time I see you, you know, I just makes me feel so good. I say, that's my guy. That's I played against that guy in high school right there. DJ, yeah, I played against you and you bust my butt like you did everybody. But, you know, uh, your dad, but your dad will give me some good calls when he ref my game. I will say that. Tell him I said thank you for that. Man, <laughs> definitely will do. But all is good, my friend. Everything is good. You, you, you're safe. You and the family. Yeah, you know, it's been a, you know, it is, DJ, it's been a tough time. Very mm-hmm. rough time uh, in our, in the world. Uh, with all this stuff going on, but you know, we're out here and we're safe and we are practicing being safe and doing the things that you're supposed to do, you know, social distancing, wearing our masks. You know, I take a test every Tuesday because I got to get on the road. Right. And uh, I'm in, I'm on planes, trains, automobiles, hotel rooms, you know, Ubers, the whole nine, the whole kitchen sink. So yeah, man, it's, uh, it's been weird, but it's terrific that we have sports back. And, uh, and that's one thing that I think all of us are thankful for. Mm. And, and you talk about having sports back. You talk about traveling and all that sort of stuff, Gus. And obviously this weekend you were in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, there was video that I think Joel Klatt was the one that caught you on camera. You were basically became a part of the Ohio State marching band at one point in the press box. It looked like you were having a lot of fun. Ah. Uh, so <laughs> I just want to talk about that. You know what I mean? It obviously is a weird year, but you're still able to bring some levity and, and, and make it feel like we're in a normal game ah. environment. So what, what's that been like trying to make that transition? Or is it just, you know, you, back in the office? Well, it's different because, you know, there's nobody in the stands, you know. Mm. So you kind of have to let the, the energy of the game um dictate your flow but at the same time you know you have to start i think for me i gotta start at a certain level meaning i gotta uh i gotta get my energy up because you know these these games are at noon um sometimes you know not only are they at noon sometimes you know we're doing a big 12 game it's an 11 a.m kick now that might not seem late but 11 a.m. kick, I mean, and then I did a, you know, I did a game last week and I got to do a game next week where we kicked off on the West Coast at 9 a.m. Mm. So if I, we're kicking off at 9 a.m., that means I got to be up nine. I got to be at the stadium three hours before the game, nine, eight, seven, six. So I'm getting up at five. Now, you know, a lot of people get up at 5 a.m., but not very many people get up at 5 a.m. and have to go on TV and, you know, be in front of millions of people and be yeah. on, like be on 10, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> because I can't be sleepy. So, uh, you know, I just try to get my energy up. I just want to, you know, get loose and just, you know, I don't know what happened at Ohio State last week. You said I was part of the marching band. I hope nothing bad, but I just, you know, getting loose and just, just want to, you know, breathe and, and stretch and, 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 and get a good flow going so we can make sure that, um, we bring the proper uh, energy. I just yep. keep saying it. And enthusiasm, 
after going through what we all have gone through since March, you know, I, I think we all understand how important sports are, but we also understand how important sports are not. Mm. So just to be able to watch some sports and to be around the game and to be around the kids, you know, socially distanced, of course, I think is a wonderful thing for all of us. And, uh, and I just want to make sure I do my part and, and have a good, you know, if people are going to spend three or four hours listening to me. I, I just really want them to enjoy the game and have a good time. Mm. You mm. know, Gus, uh, listening to your voice every week it just it just brings a smile on my face because i say i know that voice i know that voice but where did this love for sports and the enthusiasm that you have because that's you i mean you say you got to bring your energy up i've never known you not to have that type of energy (laughs) (laughs) like because i just like we i want to hear your story like can you share your story with us like how did you get to where you have this love and you can hear it. You can see it. Anyone who knows you though, that's who you are. How did this start for you? Well, you know, I'm from, as you know, Detroit, Michigan. And uh, I was a lucky kid because I was born to two incredible parents. My mother was a, uh, my father, I could say was an artist and my mother was an athlete. My mother, uh, she grew up in the rural South in Ackerman, Mississippi, and then moved to Detroit. Uh, during urban migration when my, my grandfather got a job up in the for Mississippi up in the plant in Detroit. So but she always loved sports. Mm. He played softball and played field hockey and basketball. But she because my grandfather was a Baptist preacher, she wasn't allowed to play on the uh the varsity teams at Detroit Northwestern High School. Oh, okay. She because she had BJ, she had to be in before the street lights came on. <laughs> but she couldn't play. She had to play the intramurals, which they played in school. And later, my mother became a big golfer. But uh, yeah, but because she had such a love of sports, when I was a little bitty boy, baby boy, six years old, she dropped me off at the boys' club on Livernois in Michigan, the Howard B. Bloomer Building. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, I'll never forget when she dropped me off. She dropped me off and she said, all right, now go learn. Mm. And that was it. From that moment on, that's all, you know, boys club, that's all we did. Play ball, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, field, floor hockey, um, pool, ping pong, uh, bumper pool, uh, you know, four square, you know, whatever it was, (laughs) we played and we competed. And those were my friends. And then those are guys that, you know, as a six year, so I stayed at the boys club from six all the way through college. As a matter of fact, they gave me a little scholarship uh, when I went to college, um, which came in handy. So, um, and from there is where I, I just learned, you know, I went to St. Cecilia uh, for elementary school from uh, six, from first grade through 12 to eighth grade and I played for Sam Washington and football and basketball for the St. Cecilia Beacons played for the West side Cubs in Detroit. This is just so weird. Cause I'm like, we all did the same thing, right? <laughs> we all did the same thing. Right. But you know how it is BJ. I mean, you know, for most families, when it comes to their kids playing sports, there's a, it's a, for your parents, not only for you, but for your parents, it's a big deal right. to go to the games and 
to talk about the games. I mean, I got a picture of my father. I'll show you a picture. Hold on for a second. Let me, I want to show you this picture so you can see it and I'll keep talking. So you can <laughs> give you an idea of how serious I'm sure that for all of you guys that have kids right now, it's serious for you. But I don't want you to see this picture, but I want to show it to you. Um, can you see this picture here? Can you see this picture here? Can you yeah. see that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me see. That's me. Oh, wow. And that's dad right behind me. You see my, you see the man right there? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my father. And it's funny because um, a friend of mine, can you guys really see that or you can't? Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, we yeah, can't. Yeah. You see my dad, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, somebody sent me that picture recently. And I didn't really, I thought she was just sending it. For me, it was just the person that sent it to me was sending it to me just for me. But the thing that I saw more than anything was that my pop, just like my mother, was always there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Always behind me. You know, so sports was a big deal for us in my family. It gave us a lot of joy. You know, it gave us a, a certain kind of uh, opportunity to go and do things. I would remember I used to, if I was a wrestler, I, I, I competed in the, uh, the uh, I played second in the, uh, when I was nine years old, I weighed, what did I play, 65 pounds, in unattached, coming out of the boys club. We went to Collegeville, Pennsylvania, and I played second place in the Junior Olympics really? for my weight class. And I was supposed to go to Omaha, Nebraska to complete, to compete in uh, the Junior Olympics regionals in Collegeville, Pennsylvania, second place in the Eastern Regional Finals. So I was supposed to go to uh, Omaha, Nebraska and compete in the uh, in the big deal, the national tournament, but I didn't go because my father couldn't get off work. And my mother was gonna have to drive me from Detroit to Nebraska. And, and it's funny, even at nine years old, I was like, nah, I don't want my on the road, you know, driving. But you know, my love of sports came from my family, came from my city. I just, I'm sorry to walk you all the way around the barn instead of walking straight in, but, and, and that's where it came from, just wanting to have an opportunity to to escape the streets. And, you know, my parents were 100% behind it, especially my mother at first. And I, I guess, man, it just kind of stuck as time went on. Hmm. And, and then, Gus, you go to Howard, right? You played baseball at Howard um, yep. yeah, for four years. So, I mean, I, I think that's something that people may not know, is that you were a collegiate athlete. Obviously, you talk about your history in Detroit. I mean, you were a high school three-sport athlete. So just mm -hmm. w when you were in college, while you are playing baseball, did you watch a lot of announcers? Or, you know, obviously you're watching all the games because you're such a fan of sports. But did you start picking up at that point that you wanted to be someone, to, to be a, an anchor, a host, whatever it may be, a sportscaster? Nah, man, I, I really thought... <laughs> I wanted to be, I wanted to place, replace Lou Whitaker as a second baseman of the Detroit. Oh, man, that's sweet Lou. Everybody wanted, that was my dream. That was, you can't take my dream. Gus, Gus, you're thinking everything Poor else. Lou. You can't take my dream. Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou and Allen Trail. That's, hey, that's my dream, you know? Hey. Man, I wanted, and then when I got out of college and saw you, BJ, I dreamt about being you. Yeah. <laughs> I about winning world championships and busting Joker's butt. Oh, Michael Jordan's kids loving me. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's what I wanted to do. I just, I didn't really want to, I wasn't thinking about, you know, when I first got into college, I wasn't thinking about the sportscaster stuff. I didn't even know that it existed. Um, 
And I think what happened was like, you know, I was going, I, I was a political, political science major. And then, uh, but my mother, man, my mother was, she was just, she was just so wonderful. She just, you know, a mother knows her child. And I remember when I applied to college, she would always say, okay, fill out the application and put your essay with it and then give it to me. I'll look over it and then I'll put the check with it. Every time she would put out an application, I would fill out an application. She would always check communications. Mm. Weird. Cause I wasn't even thinking about any communications. But my mother, I think she had a jive time crush. And I told him this when I, when I see him. I think my mother had a jive time crush on Bryant Gumbel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you see why, right? You look at that guy. You know, um, so she was always talking about Bryant Gumbel this, Bryant Gumbel that. All my life, like in 1979, when Indiana State took on Michigan State in the national championship game in Salt Lake City, Utah, the first thing you see when you turn on that game, and you know how it is, BJ Beer. Yeah. From we was right there on our black game. and white TV. We was looking at it. We was right, right. there. Watching that game. And so the first thing you see when that game comes on, I believe, is Bryant Gumble, And he looked like somebody that could grow up across the street from me. He looked like my cousin, BJ, or your cousin. Right, or, right. You know what I'm saying? Good looking dude, very articulate, bright smile, hair looked good, shirt tied, jacket tight. So my mother would always make me pay attention to him to the point where I think one time she said something to the effect of, you could do that if you wanted to. But I wasn't paying attention to her because my whole goal was to play second base for the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> I wouldn't think about nothing like that, you know? Right, right. So my mother would always check those boxes, communications. Mm. And uh, I kind of just stumbled on it. It was weird. I was, I was, I was a junior, I think. And baseball wasn't turning out to be what I thought it was going to be. I mean, you know, BJ, you, mm -hmm. you had a different experience. You know how you go to college and then you right. like, you don't know if you can, you can keep up and you find out you can keep up, but you really, for me, unlike you, cause you went to the pros, you find out you're not good enough, you know? So, you know, I start thinking like, okay, well, what you gonna do? Hmm. And that's what my father, that's my father always planted those kind of seeds in my head. He said, well, you better figure out. He said, college is good, but make sure you come out of college with a job. So I kind of stumbled on that. I was walking down the hill one day at Howard and a sportscaster by the name of Glenn Harris is a, was a former Howard baseball player. And I, he used to come to practice and stuff sometimes. And I saw him and he said, you know what? Uh, I asked him, I said, what do you think of this sportscaster thing? And he said, one thing he said that I, that I always remember, he said, I like, I like it because I love sports. I like to talk and sports changes every day. And so he said, as a matter of fact, you know, we got our, our today is my intern's last day. So why don't you go down the hill and talk to Miss Grimes and see if she, if you can apply. So I went down the hill. Knocked on Miss Grimes' door, WHUR. She uh, ironically I mean, knocked on her door, but you know, talked to the receptionist, asked if I could talk to her. And she came out and she brought me in her office and she said, So, what are you here for, young man? I said, Well, I'm here to. Glenn said that the uh, internship was open today and I was just wanting to apply for it. 
And she said, wow, that's strange. And I said, why, Ms. Grimes? She said, because nobody else applied. Congratulations, it's your job. Come on, come on, guys, come on. Seriously, man. And not only, you know, I was playing baseball, I was on scholarship and I was playing baseball and it paid $500 a semester. So it's probably a violation, but I took it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's where it started for me. You know, it just, uh, you know, it started once I found this, you know, and I talk to young guys all the time and, 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 and I tell them the key to this is to, it's a, it has to be an obsession. It has to be like, for me, it was all there was. As a matter of fact, I was, I was starting my senior year. I was catching, I was, I was doing really well, you know, but I had to, 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 to stop playing because I had gotten a job working at WHUR, you know, it was the second semester, it was the spring semester. So I got a job and, uh, you know, I was hosting a TV show on campus and I couldn't miss it. And I just stopped playing. Um, to, to further this because I knew that there was really no future in, in, in professional future for me, you know, that, that was my dream, but I, you know, I realized it was not, it's not going to happen. So, and it just started, man. And I did this stuff with the uh, college of basketball for the women's team, Sonia Tyler, and, and got my resume taped together, worked for Glenn and ended up working at channel five WTTG in Washington and as an intern. And, and if, you know, Right before I got ready to graduate, you know, my credits were done. I was getting ready to walk. Um, I got a job in Waco, Texas. And after that, man, it was it was OW over with. It was a wrap. I was a pro. And, you know, I started my journey. Quick break to get away from our sponsor, NHTSA. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. If the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile. By that time, it's too late and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Back to pushing through. And in 1996, Gus, I mean, for the people that don't really uh, put two and two together here, I mean, you take CBS March Madness, at least for me as I grew up. I mean, you were the voice of March. When it came to March, it was like, I hope Gus is calling, as, as a Carolina kid, you know, I was like, I'm ho- I hope Gus is calling our game. You know what I mean? That's what everyone's fighting over, right? They want Gus Johnson to call the game. So, like, during that period of time, did you feel the boom? Did you feel like, you know, you kind of, you know, matured into that voice of March Madness? Or did you grow up, like you said, in 79, you're watching the championship game. So, you already knew what March Madness was. So, it was fun to just be the voice. You know, um, I never really, you know, when you, when you, you how long have you been on TV or on radio? How long have you been on? Mm, now five years. Five years. How old are you? Yeah. 27. 27. All right. So I started I started when I was 20. I, I left college at 20 because I had an August birthday. So I was working at 20 because mm. I got the job in like, once I got the job at WTT, I mean, uh, KXXV 25 when I was, Probably left college. Graduation is usually in June, right? So yeah, I, was, I think I was down there two months before the graduation because I was dating a girl who went to the graduation and, and sent me my cap and gown. 
But I kind of think that like for me, I was so young when I started that when I finally got to CBS, I was still a baby. I think I was about your age, mm. 27. And that's a baby in this business. And when all that started, I was, I was just so happy to be, to have the job. Mm. You know, I was a fan. I was like, man, I can go to the game and watch the game <laughs> free and get paid actually. And, and, and watch these athletes, college athletes. Yeah. That's all I ever thought about. I'd never really, I never, I never really realized at that time the impact that I was having on people mm. because I'm watching the game. I'm calling the game. I'm not watching it on television. So I don't really understand what kind of uh, impact you have. You know, you're doing your job right now. You don't know how you're affecting whoever's listening to this podcast, you know, especially if they're listening to you with, with regularity, you know? So I didn't realize that then all of a sudden, like a few years later, there was like this boom, but I, but I had, I have to be honest with you. I think it was divine. It was divinity. I had, I mean, some of the most classic, you know, mouthwatering, buzzer beating kind of <laughs> games. It was, it was weird. You know what I'm saying? It was, mm. and it's funny because that's when I realized that all the other announcers at CBS, did they start getting mad at me? Cause I was always, I mean, I do four games in one day and all four games would be like scintillating. <laughs> well, Gus, all right, hold on. Gus. Okay, Gus, I turn on my television. Okay, there's a great game. But when I hear you, okay, now I know the game can start. There's, you yeah. are part of, no, literally, mm. I, I, you, you are part of the game. Like mm. your voice, everything is all right. I want to hear what you have to say, and no one can call a moment like you call it. <laughs> like, it, it, no, seriously. Like, there's like a call, and then there's Gus. <laughs> no, seriously. No, seriously. Gus. I mean, it, it's it's like it's like Howard Corsell. Like, uh, you can't watch a Muhammad Ali fight and not hear Howard. You know what I mean? And then there's college basketball. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it's Gus. Gus got to call that game though. It, yeah. it, that's how it is. I mean. Mm. I know you're very humble, but that's the truth, my man. That, that's that's real talk, Gus. That's real talk. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I just love sports, man. Sports saved my life. Because come on, BJ. You know, Dexter Ewall Circle, Livernoy and Davidson. Yeah. There's a lot of bad stuff out there right? You know, in my neighborhood. And sports, as a boys club used to say, it's the club that beats the streets. Mm. So playing ball, any kind of ball, I don't care, man. I don't care. Tiddlywinks, checkers, chess pool, dice, pitching pennies, whatever. I like to watch and I like to see people compete and uh, and getting back to that. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, bam, I'm, I'm a big deal. And I'm feeling kind of funny about it because I don't really know how to handle it because I've never experienced anything like this before. I don't, I don't know what, how to process it. Mm. Uh, but what I did realize was that Whenever that microphone was turned on, I wanted to be at my best. Mm. I wanted to. I wanted to be. You know, I have an ego too. I'm a very competitive person too. I think bringing what I bring to the table for a broadcaster, I could be the best of all time. That's what is in my mind and in my heart. Um, so I always want to make sure that I give whatever I have 
to to those moments. And, and, and even more than that, as a former athlete, you know, I kind of, through these athletes, I think one of the secrets that I have is I kind of dream through them. I fantasize through these players, like when they're going good and I know it's that moment and you got a kid that's hot and he, he might give you 35 that day. I know that this is going to be an archive moment for his life. This is something his great, 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 great grandkids will look at one day and say, my great, 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 great granddaddy did this on this day in this place. He had 35 points in the NCAA tournament and they beat UCLA or Georgetown or whomever. And Grant, I know that's going to take place. So I want to make sure that I give it up to that kid or give it up to that team. I, mean, I get calls. It's so funny. I get calls all the time. Like I remember years ago, I did a game, NCAA game, Vermont. They beat Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't remember where we were. I want to say I was in Worcester, Worcester, Mass. Where that game was. And uh, Syracuse, Syracuse, I mean, uh, Vermont, they had a kid named Big white kid, good good player, Taylor Coppenrath, I think his name was. <laughs> good I gotta look it up. Just to, the way you said it, right? he sounds like a player. He sounds like a player. <laughs> he can play though. He was slow, white dude, slow, but he'd get that ball in the box. He had really quick feet. He would, you know that old YMCA game. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they beat Syracuse. They had this kid. His I think his name was T.J. Sorrentine. And this was well before, you know, Steph Curry just walks in and hitting jump shots half court, damn, they're all the hands. Um, people didn't, you know, there's a three-point line, but they didn't shoot from, like, the three-point line is, is what, BJ, in the college? 20, yeah, 20 feet? 20, yeah, 20. So the three-point line in the NBA is what? 23, I think. I think 23. Yeah. This dude took a shot from the hash mark in the game. Back then, right, and he knocked it down. It was like, and I was like, it was like he had, he was like he had shot the ball from the parking lot, and that's what I said because he felt like he was from the parking lot. I was like, he's way out there, and he hit it, and I said from the parking lot, and it's funny because from that moment, and they went on to win that game. From that moment, that became a historic moment in the history of not only that team, school city and state of Vermont. Mm -hmm. So last year, and I couldn't do anything for him. I wanted to, I, I heard about it late. They had a reunion, right? Of that game of that tournament team. All right. And, uh, and they sent me some pictures from it and those kids, I think at Copperrath and Sorrentine, I think their jerseys may have been retired or their numbers or something like that in Vermont. And, uh, I saw some kids with shirts. I mean, little bitty kids, like six, seven years old, with shirts that said, from the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff that makes me happy because I really feel more than anything, uh, and I don't mean to take a highbrow approach to it, but I'm not just a sportscaster. We're not just sportscasters. We are sports historians. Mm-hmm. Mm we're sports historians, so this is history. This is history that's happening right in front of us in the form of 
a game. So it's so nice to be a part of history. And, uh, and those are the kind of things that I remember. And those are the kind of things that um, are really most important to me. Mm, that's deep. And Gus, I have to ask, as we're talking about all, you know, you said you play wall ball, you'll play any, any game at any point. Is there another sport that you see that there's like a frontier that you want to call? Is it baseball? Because I feel like if Gus Johnson was calling a baseball game, that would be a totally different experience for everybody at home, especially because you know the game so well. But is there is there another sport, another frontier that you look at and you're like, I would love to get in there? Or do you feel comfortable doing the college sports and, you know, you know, getting caught up at certain times for certain different things? Or is there another sport that you want to get into? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's another sport, but it's another league. I like to call the NBA, and I would like to have a national package to call NBA game. Mm. I think that like, especially when the NBA is so good, these athletes are so incredible, you know, I mean, oh, they're just the best. James, <laughs> It's like, <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. I mean, I look at, I mean, the world champion that's sitting in the room, in the room on this zoom call, BJ Armstrong, he played with the greatest player ever. And I look at LeBron James and how big and strong. I don't know if Michael Jordan could have really handled these dudes. <laughs> oh, gosh, don't start this discussion with me. Like, don't start this discussion. Like, Michael Jordan, BJ, all he ever did was hit like 15-foot jump shots. <laughs> he never did. I mean, it was so easy for him. That's all he ever did was hit 15-foot jump shots and go to the free throw line. Now, I know you play with Michael Jordan. You know, and you won championships with Michael Jordan, BJ. But I'm still from Detroit, and I still don't like no Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. Okay. No, I was going to say, right, yeah. Call, right? Yeah, right, right, He's right. on the Zoom call, right? <laughs> the people that's listening to this podcast can't see my face, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the Bulls. <laughs> the Bulls. <laughs> Talking. <laughs> Folks, I'm sure you can fill in the blank blanks of the the, the, the very uh, sign that I just sent my longtime friend BJ Armstrong as a Pistons fan about the Chicago Bulls and what they did to my Isaiah Thomas and my Pistons. Gus Johnson is a bad boy. Gus, that's what right, my family. Gus, doing the playoffs, that's what my family would do to me. We love you, baby. But I was like, Mom, what, what, Dad. And they was like, no, we bad boys up there. So I understand. Up here. You know, you couldn't help it. You was the best player in the world. So we gave you all a run for your money until you matured and start whooping on us. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. I just want, I'd love to be able to do the NBA on a, a national pack. You know, I've been the voice of the Knicks. Timberwolves, uh, right? Milwaukee Bucks, mm. most recently. But I love to be able to 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 call games in the NBA nationally because I, because oh. selfishly and I guess arrogantly, I feel that if I had a chance to call NBA games on a national package, I would turn that league upside down. Yes. It's can I work with you guys? Because can I just sit? Can I just oh ride with you? Oh man, come on, let's go, baby. <laughs> that would be so that would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. It would be, it would be, it would be, you know, I don't even think I I don't even think I've I don't even think I've scratched the surface of my best when it comes to basketball. Mm. College basketball is cool, you know, kids, but most of them can't play. 
<laughs> you know, can't you hit a 15 foot jump shot consistent? A 17 foot jump. Come on, BJ. How come dudes can't hit a 17 foot jump shot? If I don't know. What should a college team shoot from the field if they good? You know, 48%? At least somewhere around there. 45 and, and from the three point line, maybe 34%. Right. That's a good percentage, right? Right, right, right. I mean, Man, I've been in some gyms with them dudes, man. <laughs> they get inside of a barn. But the NBA, oh, man. If I could ever have the chance to call Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, LeBron, Raymond, James. <laughs> King. Oh, man. Guess what? We got to make that happen. Oh, man. We got to make that happen. We got to oh, make that happen. Oh, man. If I could ever do it. So call ESPN and Turner and ask him. They could just throw a brother a bone and just give it me a <laughs> just one game, just one game, just one game. That would be over. That would be a wrap. Then you'd be all over the place. <laughs> would you come back and visit us again? Because next time we come back, we're going to announce here that you will be calling NBA games. Oh man, and that's what we're going to announce from and, your mouth uh, to God's ears, brother. Uh, no, no question, man. You the best, man. Thanks so much. Thank what you. you mean to not only myself, the city of Detroit, but people worldwide? Because yep. uh, you do a fabulous job. You you give me calm. As long as Gus is there, I'm good. I, I, I know everything. Isn't that weird is how when somebody's calling the game that you don't like, it can mess with you. You know, it can mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're on, your voice is good. We're all good. You're the best, man. It's all love, man. Love you. You take care of yourself, Gus, man. And uh, thanks again for taking the time. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Continue success. Stay healthy. And God bless. All right.